Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Coming up on the show, the Celtics brutally defeated by the Kings in the Summer League title game. But what are the key takeaways from Summer League? Plus, the Marcus Smart extension, the Evan Fournier bonus prize, and more. Joining us, as he often does, Jackson, a.k.a. Brickman Lives. How you doing, sir? Welcome back. Thank you very much, yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I, I was very riled up about... The, the game, which I'm sure we'll get to um, for about 20 minutes. And then I just realized it's summer league. So I just kind of got over it. But uh, yeah, it was still a little bit of a that that Boston Celtics emotional roller coaster you can get on when when things are real. So yeah, but all things considered pretty well. Lockdown's still crap. But I mean, you know, you know all too well about that, don't you? Yeah, it's absolutely brutal. I mean, for all those watching outside of Australia, Jackson and I have been under, well, the entire country really has been under COVID lockdown for a long period of time now. Seems like we were doing really well in 2020 while the rest of the world was locked yeah. down. And now it's the we, inverse of that. So make of it what you will. Yeah, we were like this. We were like the Celtics in the fir- in the first quarter today, the, the first few minutes, like, streaking ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, let- cares about this isn't this isn't a threat. This is totally fine. And look where it ended. Look what we got. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. I mean, those first two minutes were exhilarating. Like the ball was zipping mm. around. Uh, the Celtics could do no wrong. They could not miss a shot. And meanwhile, they were playing lockdown defense on the other end. Uh, two minutes mm. go by. Not <laughs> a completely different story. And you fast forward to the end of the game. You know, the Kings beat the Celtics 100-67, to thanks to 28 turnovers by the Celtics. Um, yeah. I hesitate to ask Jackson, but like, what are your overall thoughts on this one? Um, well, like I was alluding to earlier, like obviously the first few minutes was just great. I honestly thought the game was over. I thought we had it. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pritchard's just come back after scoring 100,000 points in his Pro-Am game. Uh, the first play, I think, was a nice little... I think he, he got a he got a screen and he went into the paint and then kicked it back out to Naismith. That swished, and I was just like, sweet, that's a good start. Then we go, I think it was 12-2 or something like that. Like, yeah, sweet, this is totally fine. So I thought the whole thing was over, and evidently so did the Celtics, because, yeah, they just... We just got crushed. Well, we've been outscored by, what, 43 points? over the next 35 minutes yeah even for summer league that's 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 horrendous hey so um yeah it, it was a shame it was you know you always want to win you know and it kind of irked me a little bit when once we did make the final i looked into the previous champions and the lakers have one so i was like no nah, can't have that we got to um <laughs> we, we got to square that up and uh, now that didn't happen it's just like ah oh, god damn it but at the end of the day it's I mean, it's still summer league right it's it's nice to to have some basketball to watch, but like as soon as it kind of goes wrong for you, I'm happy just to like just drop it and let it go. So it's not bothering me too much anymore. But uh, are, are you the same? Did it? Has it is it well, bothering you still? Now that we have lost in in such spectacular fashion, that's how I feel. But I was so willing to go the other way. Like we've won, and this this means so much. We can see <laughs> Ime Odoka's culture sort of you know cascading down to the summer league team, and that, that's such an indication of success to yeah. come. You know, in the regular season, but we lost, and it's like suddenly, nah, it's just summer league. Doesn't really matter. At at all uh mm-hmm. no romeo langford going into this one which um you know getting back to like now our interpretation of what summer league is and it's all about like you know what we can learn and take away from performances no romeo was kind of a big deal because we still hadn't really seen that sort of like standout performance from langford he's out with the wrist injury allegedly unrelated to the prior wrist injury or injuries 
Um, it was disappointing not to see him in the game. Uh, Bruno Fernando was a monster again, like talking about those first two minutes in particular, which is blocking the yeah. shit out of every single attempt. Um, and then just promptly didn't do that for the rest of the game. And, and the main takeaway from me and from everyone really watching was that Davion Mitchell just absolutely locked the shit down mm. on Peyton Pritchard, who had just come back from his two pro-am performances uh, and unfortunately brought his pro-am level game back to like a semi or fully pro, <laughs> um, you know, tournament there uh, in the final game, nonetheless, and um, shot the bed a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that's how it goes. Um, yeah, he certainly... He certainly wasn't up against the lottery picks specializing in defense, you know, double teaming him yeah, <laughs> yeah. at the pro-am game. And it definitely showed. Like, I almost wonder if like he, he just, he didn't think he was coming back to summer league. Maybe he flew to, did he fly to Portland? That's where he's from. Yeah. Right? Is that where it was? Yeah. Or like Perhaps? somewhere yeah. in Oregon. So he's flying to yeah. Portland. Somewhere in Oregon. Sure. He's flown there. He's thinking, ah, sweet. You know, I, I, I did pretty, I Gave a pretty good count of myself, you know, over the games that I played. I'm going to hear him have some fun. 92 points first game, no big deal. 52 and yeah. like 17 assists or something next game. Sweet. It's like, oh, cool. Can you come back to Summer League? Oh, shit. I better get back there. And I I don't think it's unrealistic to, to, to place the blame of his really subpar performance, like, because of that. He looked tired. Uh, so yeah. maybe just mentally he just didn't think he was coming back. And then he suddenly has to. And this shit starts to just crumble, you know, midway through the first quarter. And he just can't, just can't get right. So, yeah, that that was, that sucked. But, um, yeah, I mean, 92 points in a pro-am game. Still pretty good. Still pretty awesome. Yeah. But it's all said and done. <laughs> it's great. And we, yeah. we tie a bow around whatever the offseason ends up being. There is a, a nice little moment there where Peyton Pritchard scored 92 points in, in some format. Hell, you scored 92 points yeah, in 2K. It, yeah. You're like tweeting that out. You're telling your mates. So it's a it's a fine achievement. Yeah. Uh, played all these boosts in the wrong game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kungu NBA on Twitter sort of summarized the game well. They tweeted out, the C's can't get any dribble penetration against Sacramento. It's led to rushed shots and stopped ball movement. The Kings utilized defensive stops to generate easy buckets, got in a rhythm, and it's been curtains since. And that was tweeted out, I think, some at some point during the second quarter. And the, the narrative yeah. did not change at all. I also want to get to some Reddit comments very quickly here. This is uh, commented by in the post-game thread by Buckwee being deleted. They wrote, we took 59 field goal attempts, and the Kings had 95. 95 to 59 field goal attempt disparity, wow. which is crazy. And it's, you know, credit to all the turnovers that they forced and all of the bed shitting that, that Peyton Pritchard unfortunately committed. And a final Reddit comment here by Jesus Christ 2020, who wrote, they doubled Pritchard on almost every pick and roll action and forced everyone else to beat him. And they couldn't. Pritchard also seemed drained and he probably rushed back too quick, which I'm assuming from the, the pro-am mm -hmm. competition there. But Jackson, like from Summer League overall, what do you think of the key takeaways from, you know, the, the players who played for Celtic Summer League? Well, if we completely dispel the final and the circumstances around it, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, we have to. It's a brilliant summer summer league. You know, we stomped all over the the seventy sixes. We saw some outstanding performances, like mainly from uh, well, the first one that I can think of, Aaron Neesmith against the Nuggets, where he had thirty three. Um, 
you know, the, the few minutes of yeah Mater that we had, you know, it was it was a really fun, you know, tournament overall, particularly when your expectations aren't particularly, you know, high or you're not really expecting anything. You're kind of okay with losing. You don't you just want to see, you know, a couple of guys like like, you know, show out and like hopefully that they can, you know, earn themselves minutes on the team. But um yeah, no, I was my expectations went from no expectations to this is the best group of summer league <laughs> players we've ever had and it's it's so awesome. Um yeah, Pritchard's shooting was just unreal, like with Naismith uh, as well too. So uh, if that, if we can just get a little bit of that translated into the regular season, then that is that's awesome. Um, you know, Hauser had good moments. Uh, Fernando Bagaron, um, is that how we pronounce yeah. his name? Um, yeah, I, I was very encouraged by what I saw from basically from basically everyone. To be to be brutally honest, yeah, absolutely. And I, I know I joked about the whole. Adoka philosophy trickling down through Joe Mazzulla and into the Summer League team earlier, but I there was for most of the Summer League, I, I did feel like that was the case, and you know, obviously that remains to be seen, but it really did feel like from the get-go there was a really good defensive-slash-ball movement ideology that we hadn't really seen for Celtics teams past. I know we didn't have a Summer League team last year, so we didn't get to see you know the disparity between the performance of last year's Summer League team and last year's underwhelming regular season team. But it's easy to get carried away and run away with fantasies like that. So um, mm. a takeaway is not necessarily that that will translate, but it's certainly something to look out for and something to potentially be excited about. Uh, Pritchard and Neesmith are not going to be, this is my next point, they're not going to be the focal point of any opposing defense in the actual NBA. They they copped really the, the wrong end of the stick um, from you know the King's best defenders in, in this particular game today, and it, it completely shook them but you know with Tatum Brown Rob Williams Marcus Smart etc on the court during the actual NBA Pritchard and Neesmith are going to have a lot more room to operate and I think they showed us enough in the summer league that with that room to operate that they can execute so that's a really exciting takeaway and Neesmith as well might be the best available starter at the two spot for the Celtics which is something that we've been harping on about on this podcast for basically since summer league started do you where do you stand on that that idea Jackson well, yeah, based on the performances that we we saw from him, yeah, he's he definitely appears to have you know gone up somewhat, you know, at least as far as uh, I'm concerned. Um, I think Joe said it on an episode, the last episode that we were on. You know, there's plenty of guys in the league that can you know that can shoot threes. Basically, you know, if if if, if that's like your role and that's your thing, that there's a, there's a, there's an opening for you. Um, Obviously, getting into like the the first team, like having lost Evan Fournier, you know, you think to yourself, like, where are you going to replace that three point shooting from outside of Brown and Tatum? I'm, I'm just growing confidence that Neesmith can can be that guy. Like, I, I think it's unfair to expect him to sort of you know be at Evan Fournier's level like already, but I, I don't see that something. I don't see that as something he can't get to. Mm-hmm. Probably not even this. I mean, even this season, maybe you know, just seeing how it goes and whatnot. I know it's asking a lot of him, but you know, based on what I saw of him. His shooting was was fantastic, and that's going to you know if if you shooters can shoot, uh, and he does that in the NBA, then sweet, you know I think that's pretty much more or less his spot to to lose. Yeah, especially with Smart as the starting point guard as opposed to Kemba, where you know a, a, a two headed um, backcourt of of Kemba and Nee Smith would have a lot of defensive weak points to say the least. But with Marcus Smart mm. sort of backing him up as you know the other guard defender there, I do feel like some of the the defensive shortcomings that we've seen from Neesmith can be covered up. And, and also, as far as the opposing team's offense honing in on a team defensive weak point in, in Neesmith, that's less of a weak point than it was with Kemba 
last year. So it, it could end up being a net win uh, for the Celtics, but we'll see. Um, Pritchard won't ever be the second string. He won't even be the second string point guard, rather. Like, he's, he's still going to be a valuable roster piece. Um, he's probably going to be better in that role than, say, Brad Wanamaker, but he's low in the depth chart. So, like, yes, he didn't perform well in this game as sort of like the key player, um, you know, going into this, this game and clearly the focal point for the Kings defense, but we're probably not going to need to rely on him in that capacity at any point in the regular season or the playoffs. And if we do, then like other things, more important things have gone poorly for us that we should be more concerned about. So um, I, I would relax yeah. on the on the Pritchard hate a little bit there. Yeah, totally. But I mean, you know, there's inevitably there's going to be a game where we have a, a stack of injuries and Pritchard is going to be the starting point guard. Doesn't freak me out as much as it probably did maybe even like two or three months ago. Exactly. To be honest. I don't think he's, yeah, I don't think he's, he's, he's overly qualified at all to be, you know, the, the, the number one or the number two, uh, even. But, um, you know, we can see from his shooting, um, that he he will definitely have a place on an NBA team, you know, where in the depth chart, I'm not too sure, but he will definitely be there. Um, and yeah, and I, and I think he, he did himself a lot of favors uh, this this tournament for sure. Yeah, the final takeaway from me is that uh, Begarin, which um, that's how I'm choosing to pronounce his name. I've heard Begarin. 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 Thank you. Begarin. Begarin. Well, I don't know if that's accurate, but it just, it's fun to say it. it like sounds that, very authentically <laughs> French. So let's go with that. Drinking wine as well. So, yeah. <laughs> he might be on the Celts before Yam Mada, Mada, which I'm also messing up. Um, he just seems more <laughs> NBA ready. And all the hype's been with, with Yam, but... Uh, Begaron just seems like, uh, I guess, an overall more solid player. Like, he, if you had to choose between one of the two, you bring on Begaron, and at least you've got a guy you can bring in and play solid defense for a five-minute stretch. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it just, just from the physicality alone, I think it puts him over Yamada um, for sure. So, um, yeah, no, he, he didn't do a, like he didn't do a lot of things that like really stood out. But you know, sometimes just being sort of you know solid and you know unspectacular is kind of what you need to be. And I mean, let's he, he is he's a rookie. And what, what do we get him with the forty forty fifth? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can't expect too much of the guy. But I mean, just from a physicality point, as I was saying, like yeah, for sure, I think he I think he will have a spot on the team. Absolutely. Yeah, and it may be a case of having very, very, very low expectations and then having them slightly exceeded by a relatively competent 45th pick who is who's just turned 19. Mm. But uh, in terms of, you know, overall takeaways from Summer League, I think that's a, that's a notable point. Like, maybe maybe we snag something usable in a few years and we've got his rights and he's going to be stashed in France there for, you know, at least a year or two. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to know that he's sort of upcoming. He's on a horizon, so to speak. Any other takeaways yeah. from... Summer League before we move on? Not really. That I not that I can think of. You know, the, I, it was it was a fun overall experience. You know, despite you know losing by thirty three points in, in the final, that sucks. I, I think if it was a best of three, we probably would have got it. You yeah, know, we had an off day. So <laughs> bring on the seven game <laughs> Summer League final series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like two and a half months. Yeah, Come on. <laughs> yeah. What else are we doing? We're locked down over here. Um, <laughs> moving on, then here's some news. Sham Sharania reported on Twitter. Uh, I guess a day or two ago, the Boston Celtics guard Marcus Smart has agreed to a four-year, $77.1 million max contract extension with the Celtics. The fully guaranteed deal through 2025-26 includes a trade kicker. So, Jackson, you're you know one of the more passionate Smart advocates that I know. What are, what are your thoughts on this extension for Marcus Smart? 
Oh, I'm absolutely stoked. I'm absolutely stoked. <laughs> I'm not at all surprised um, by that reaction. <laughs> no, no. And, and like, to, to, to be fair, like, I understand that there, he would have, that there would be detractors of his that are, that are probably like, justified in like their arguments of why he, he isn't, you know, the, the ultimate point guard, you know, to say the least. But I mean, just what he brings, his, his seniority, his, his passion for the team and for the city. Um, and you know, just the kind of player that he is and the hustle that he brings, you know, we've, 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 we've gone down this road a million, a million and one times. Like we know he is like, you know, an, an exceptional elite defender. He even can be absolutely lethal from three, like once every, you know, six and a half weeks or something. You know what I mean? He's got the record for the most threes by a Celtic, does he not? Or he has the equal record. Anyway. He's up there. I think, it's like I think it's, yeah. Did he get eleven against? Phoenix oh, in a game. Two years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he's up there also for like all time three pointers made for the Celtics as well. So, yes, yeah, suffice well, to say, he, he can there, shoot. There you go. <laughs> so, why would you not max this man? Come on, like this, this stats speak for themselves. Um, but like, I guess the one thing that probably sticks out more to me was like this was basically the kind of money that we were talking about for Evan Fournier, correct? Yeah, maybe it's slightly more thereabouts. Um, yeah, and if you, you, you asked any Celtics fan, like, do you want Evan Fournier? Do you want Marcus Smart? Anyone saying Evan Fournier is, is no friend of mine. Like, that's just an absolute <laughs> no-brainer. So the fact that the money is going towards this guy that is slated to be the starting point guard who, you know, bleeds green, you know, as, as we all like to say, um, it's, I'm super stoked about it. You know, whether or not there's, you know, trade implications, we'll probably explore that later. But I mean, I'm just, I'm stoked he's on the team and, you know, with, I guess if we're going to get into the trade implications, like this could it be so like a surrogate contract year for him? You know, if the, the rumors are to be, to be believed about a certain, you know, Brad Beal and whatnot. So maybe this is his one chance to say like, no, like you cannot get rid of me. I am, I am the guy that, that, that you want. And I, I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility. You can have a season like that. You know, what do you think? I pretty much agree agree with you. I think that uh, I think I heard it on the Corrales Locked On podcast earlier today that it's we're still maintaining some flexibility and and the flexibility towards maintaining total cap space now that we've extended sorry total cap space uh, max cap space um, is is done away with now that we've extended Marcus Smart. But it's almost like we're saying to the Wizards. You know, like, yes, we'd like Beal, and we know that we're a good and maybe a preferable destination for Beal, but also we're more than happy moving along with things and dictating our own pace. And I think, you know, extending Marcus Smart is definitely a part of that. And we're showing as the roster fills out and with the signing of Schroeder and, you know, the good play of our summer league youngsters that we are, you know, it seems on paper like a competent team and a pretty solid roster as is, um, but still leaving ourselves the possibility of trading for a Beal or a Levine or something down the road if that you know situation should prevent itself. Um, getting to some Reddit comments here, though, I sorted the the um, reaction thread, the comments by controversial to try and get like an opposing Always viewpoint. A good idea. I knew that we were going to agree on this, so it was important to uh, you know to find a, a contending view. Um, this is by user Aishin Doi. They go on to write. Okay, I'm sorry, but what the fuck is this? Love smart, but wasn't the whole point of this season to save money for next year and get Beal? That's ruined now. We might as well extend Time Lord 2 as well. Can you, like, for a moment, align yourself with the detractors from this move? Is there is there something sort of niggling in the back of your mind that tells you maybe it was a, a bad move to, to extend Marcus Smart? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, I, yeah. I get 
I get why people aren't a fan of him, and I get the con the contractual and cap space implications if you want to go after the likes of a Beal and, and a whatnot. But I mean, maybe I'm just completely out of my depth here. But like signing. Resigning smart at the moment doesn't necessarily mean that you are like shot for cash or cap space next year if you trade him, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So yeah, like what like if if that's your argument and and you you roll up about us like you know like blowing that cap space then you know there's clearly I, I think I think this signing's been made you know it's it's sort of like a it, it's going to go two ways either smart is you know as he always has been or like gets better for example and can really be you know a, a great glue guy great foil for brown and tatum moving forward they have the experience they have the chemistry they they all like each other as far as i can tell mm-hmm. maybe like another season of that is enough to push us in a direction that you you know to where we want to be or maybe he's maybe it, it doesn't go the way that we want and maybe we're you know a seventh or an eighth seed again uh if the breed the beal trade is available then here's a nice piece to it so i really don't get why you would be against this knowing the ways that it could go. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. And like sort of to that point, another Reddit comment here by I hate clutch sports. They go on to write his first real opportunity to be the starting point guard. I'm happy for him. And I think he's going to thrive. And a Tom Westerholm tweet as well, sort of backs that up where he wrote the money is obviously good, but I also talked to Marcus smart one time about how he felt a little stung that he was never the starting point guard for the Celtics over the years. Isaiah Thomas arrived in his second season, then it was Kyrie, then it was Kemba Walker. Uh, so he's also happy for him and interested to see how that plays out. And uh, I think that uh, there's some stats out there about how the majority of assists to Tatum and Brown last season and maybe the season before um, were delivered by Marcus Smart. And not only is this the first season where we're truly, truly appointing Tatum the one and Brown, the one A, like we're finally doing that. There's no Kemba. There's no Gordon Hayward. There's a, a significantly uh, ability-wise reduced Al Horford. Like we're, we're finally committing to, to Tatum and Brown, but we're also committing mm-hmm. to Marcus Smart actually having a defined role and not being like a Swiss army knife and, and filling in gaps, but actually like you are the starting point guard for the Boston Celtics. I think there's a lot to look forward to about that. If not from like a, yes, we'll definitely succeed, at least from like, I'm really, really curious to see how this plays out. And I'm so glad that we're finally committing to it. So, um, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, you don't, like, I wouldn't rule out the influence that the Dennis Schroeder signing could have on him as well, too. If, if Smart has, he gets injured or suspended or, you know, ejected, which he's going to at some stage, and Schroeder <laughs> with a point to prove can ball out, you know, that, that's not guaranteed that he will, like, maintain that starting point guard role. Like, he's been paid accordingly, but, you know, this, this season's, a lot of things can happen in a season. So that he could very well find himself being the sixth man. I highly doubt it, but, you know, that's, you know, I, I don't think he's got going to have like it all, you know, comfortable sort of served him on a platter. He knows what his role is. I think he understands what it is. So that's not to take shots away from Tatum and Brown. It's to take shots when it's necessary. Whereas, you know, if Schroeder can come in and do that better to some degree, I doubt it again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, he's going to have to still compete, basically. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, there's definitely something to that with Schroeder being, you know, he was close to winning six man of the year, I think, two years ago with OKC. And so there's a sense of a little bit of Schroeder like nipping at his heels a little bit and Smart's got to like keep a, you know, an elite, not elite, but a a high level play going consistently throughout the season in order to hold that spot. I think the the salary differential between Smart and Schroeder is such that there's a lot of leeway there for Marcus before he did potentially Mm -hmm. get demoted. 
Um, and I'm definitely not saying the that contract that's going to happen. Contract length as well, yeah, too. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. They're clearly committing to him, which is great. But also, they could yeah. absolutely turn around and trade him for a Levine or a uh, a Beal, you know, in, in a year or less. I think we've got six months on that uh, extension before we can trade him, like legally. But that would still come before the NBA trade deadline in, in February or whenever that is. So, um, could happen. Mm. Um, the other really good thing about the contract is it starts at seventeen point two million dollars per year with eight percent annual increases so it's a really sort of team Mm -hmm. friendly cap friendly deal there um and it sort of increases as potentially the uh the salary cap does as well so there's a lot to like about that deal anything else you want to touch on with this before we move on Nah, i'm just happy it happened yeah it's it's like an old pair of jeans right like it's just you're always sort of scoping out on the iconic or you know wherever for a a better fit uh and trying to stay you know with the times fashion wise i know the young kids like the sort of loose cuff around the uh the ankle nowadays but it's a nice pair of uh, levi's (laughs) i i feel it's literally the day if he if he ever does get traded it's going to be like the it trade there won't be as much of a shock to it you can get you know that's we can also we've all seen it coming a mile away if it does but it's going to be emotional when it happens um so i hope in one hand i really hope genuinely it never happens unless it's for the right player so we'll see yeah i will say that the video that he put out on instagram looked like it could have very easily also been a farewell video. It was like the, um, you know, the Marcus Smart sort of highlights clip with sort of somber music in the background to sort of like celebrate, you know, the, the history of Marcus mm. Smart and the, the fact that there's going to be more history created by him with the Celtics. But the way it was set up, it looked like it was like maybe initially intended to be a farewell video. It just kind of had that vibe. So who knows what, what the conversations were like. <laughs> so he's had it. So he's had this edit of like goodbye Boston, but now he got the contract. So now he's just like, I'll just put new text. Yeah, four more years. The music's a bit sad. Can we change that? No, it's too late. Yeah. I just put it out anyway. Just, just with new text. Uh, yeah, I've already consolidated the media files. That's to stay. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. So this morning we awake to a nice surprise, which is that somehow Brad Stevens finagled a trader player exception out of the New York Knicks, and that in the end we didn't lose Evan Fournier for nothing. So, reported by Adam Himmelsbach on Twitter, according to a league source, the Celtics created a $17.1 million, sorry, $17.1 million trade exception in the Fournier side and trade uh, with the New York Knicks. The Celtics sent Fournier to the Knicks along with a 2023 second-round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick, basically nothing, the latter being a top 55 protected pick from the Charlotte Hornets. Not not really a, a very significant protection there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Jackson, just like thoughts, I guess, on actually managing somehow, surprisingly, to walk away with something from, from Fournier walking away from us. And what do you think this TPE might actually become? Yeah, I'm completely out of the blue. Like, I mean, there may have been more, you know, cap savvy people than me that may have, you know, thought this possible or seen this coming. It was a complete shock to me. Like, that's that's... That's tremendous, isn't it? Like, I mean... Pleasant. It's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> definitely pleasant, yeah. I think if there's any doubts now about, like, Brad Stevens' competency in the role, at least now, like, I mean, like, long-term, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, like, you know, the jury's out until it's been at least two or three seasons. But, like, the reactionary takes after, like, the first, like, 24 hours of the trade window opening versus where we're at now like it's it, it's an absolute like world of difference like he's he's pulled off a lot of like really astute signings and like this this tpe for 70 million is 
is tremendous. Like, what would we use it on? I haven't the slightest clue. Um, again, I, I'm so out of my depth when it comes to to to, to the cap and um, to trade TPEs and whatnot. I know we had a, like a long education about it with the the Gordon Hayward one, and I think I understand it to some degree. But <laughs> for the most part, um, I if, if if it's a window, if it's a, a trade like right at the end of the of the deadline, yeah, like in February or March, whenever it is, um, to get someone to like bolster the team, we might have a better idea of where we're at. Um, where we at by then? Like if we are like just below, you know, you know, it's probably not realistic to get someone with a 17 million TPE to put you over the edge, but you know, yeah. you never know. It could be in a position where like a player is available and that can be, you know, factored in that can really make us stronger. So I don't think it's, we're going to be seeing, I don't think we're going to see it used like, you know, in the short term, but I wouldn't be surprised either if, if, if Brad does have something up his sleeve, but that would be surprising. I think this is more just something for, you know, bit of a rainy day um, unless like there's a there's a time frame on it does he have to like use it before like the trade deadline or something i think it's I'm a calendar sure. year i definitely read that it's still going oh, to be yeah, okay. like valid active usable whatever the term sort of beyond the free agency beginnings for next season so we'll have the opportunity okay. to use it to you know right. um, to acquire someone in free agency next year um but it really just sort of serves to maintain this theme of flexibility that has sort of been the the, the word of choice really since Brad Stevens took over for Danny Ainge there. And you know, a lot of people are saying that it's very unlikely that that TPE would be used this season. Uh, but I, I think it does add some confusion as to like whether or not this team is really decisively trying to get under the tax line. Uh, I think we're, we're something like $6 million over the tax line uh, at the moment. And yet we've got all of these TPEs, which would allow us to acquire more salary. So a lot of people mm. talk about, for example, trying to acquire Kyle Anderson. Um, but the problem with potentially acquiring him is that it makes it incredibly difficult to get under the tax threshold, which is why I think maybe we're not actually trying to get there at all. So for example, mm. we could release Jabari Parker before his guarantee date, which is coming up. We could trade Romeo Langford and Chris Dunn and a second, maybe for Kyle Anderson straight up. We wouldn't actually mm. even need to use the TPE. But at that point, after getting off those two player contract salaries and, and bringing on Kyle Anderson, we're still $5.5 million over the tax line. And that's without having used any of the TPE, some of which will expire before the end of the season. It just seems like, and even with cutting Chris Dunn at this point, we still aren't going to get ourselves under the tax threshold. And we've got all of these TPEs that are, you know, for the sake of bringing on additional salary without sending out any outgoing salary. It just seems like there's no really remaining pathways for us to get under the tax, which for people who want to see the Celtics succeed in the short term, like it could actually be a really good thing because, you know, maybe the plan isn't to, you know, not not commit money to this team. And maybe the plan is to just actually sort of carefully uh, and quietly build around the Jays by bringing in solid role players rather than one superstar in a Bradley Beal or something like that. So there's a lot of flexibility. There's yeah. less so for bringing on a max contract or a super max contract in Beal, but there's a lot of flexibility in terms of bringing in really, really solid role players like Larry Nance Jr., like Carl Anderson. Uh, there was a tweet today from Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com. He said, according to sources, Carl Anderson, Terrence Russ, Joe Ingles, Bojan, Bojan Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, TJ Warren, Thad Young, Tobias Harris, Jeremy Lamb, and Harrison Barnes are all said to be available in trades for their respective teams. So it's a good time to have a couple of TPEs up your sleeve to, to maybe acquire yeah. some of these guys. Is there, a, is there one or two guys that stand out to you at all, Jackson? 
Um, remember when TJ Warren was just like Michael Jordan on steroids in the yeah, bubble? Yeah, bubble MJ. <laughs> that, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Um, Kyle Anderson, I do like. I do like. I do like me some slow mo. Um, the Australian in me obviously would like would would take Ingles like all, all day every day. But I mean, the way you put it about like um, you know what it actually means for like paying the tax and being over the threshold and you know what the the moves are and whatnot. You know, it, it does scream to me that like we're kind of we're, we're content with being where we are at the moment. Like if we can wiggle our way under it, that would be one thing. But um, you know, that, that would be pure speculation on my behalf on how to actually get there. You know what I mean? So mm. it, it's correct me if I'm wrong. Like when you're over the tax, the, the more you go over the tax, the more obviously it costs you. It's not like you go over the tax and then you are slapped with, you know, a fee that you have to pay. And it doesn't matter if you're a dollar over or a hundred million dollars over. It's yeah. It's, it's got a scale now that you pay. Yeah, it does. And then there's sort of an exponential repeater tax that applies to sort of the, the more consecutive yeah. years that you're over the tax. But at this point, we're barely over it. And like you say, Jackson, like we're probably, it seems like just looking at the, the figures here that they're probably content with being slightly over it and paying a tax bill, sure, but like not much of a tax bill mm-hmm. and, and not being caught out by that, you know, exponential repeater tax, uh, at least in the next few years. And then maybe when you are caught out by it, at least you're like, you know, either winning championships, hopefully, or contending to the point where the revenue increase for the team is such that it, maybe it cancels out that, that tax to some degree. Um, but the the positive takeaway for fans is like, it looked like it was a huge bummer there for a little while where it's like, oh, they're going to go under the tax. You know, we're, we're going to be a perpetual six, seven, eight seed while we like wait poised to spring for the right opportunity and then go over the tax. At least it looks like, and there's still a lot of off season ahead of us, that they're okay with paying some tax and being, you know, somewhat competitive. Um, but with the roster as constructed, and you can factor this in as well, even if we do acquire, you know, a free agent or two with these TPEs, is that everything comes down to Jason Tatum just being fucking awesome. Because precisely every every championship team, every contending team needs like that, as Joe would say, world-bending player. And Tatum has to become that. Everything we've talked about, everything that we will talk about, Pales in insignificance to Tatum just reaching that level. Um, yeah. And, and Rand. It's 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> I got a whole lot of agree. I think it was in the last episode. I think this season is like set up for a, a, an MVP push for, for Tatum, to be perfectly honest. Like the expectations are relatively low. Transitional period of the coach, of the front office, no matter what you call it. It's coming off a really good season last year. You know, I think what did he score? Like he was above 40 points. Like, how many times in the space of two months or whatever? Like, yeah. You get the feeling like he's really knocking on the door of superstardom. So if this is the season that you really give him the keys, he's the very clear one. Brown's very clearly number two or one A or one B. Um, there's no other players in there to take shots away from him. Defensive minded. Like I think it's the, the the most optimistic side of me thinks that like, you know, the MVP, the MVP push could be on, you know, as well as like, you know, a, that, that, in hand goes with like a solid record as well. You know, it's not going to be a Westbrook thing where we're like the eighth seed as well too. But I think that's definitely could be on this season. And yeah, all of the tax, all of the cap stuff, you know, kind of like melts away if Tatum becomes, you know, that superstar level player. And totally. all of a sudden you have veterans lining up to play with him. That's ideally what we want to do. And I think Stevens has, you know, is, is hoping for that as well. But it sounds like they've, they've mapped it out as best they can regardless of what happens. Yeah, they're certainly positioning him to be that successful if he is indeed capable of doing so. So we're going to find out this season or next if that is the case. Like like we said earlier, they're, they're finally building around just the Jays, like solely the Jays to, to put them in a position to 
succeed and trust them in doing so. Um, just a couple of notes quickly on the TPE that I, I forgot to get to. So someone pointed out on Twitter that the the seventeen point one million dollar TPE acquired through the Fournier Sidon trade is like perfectly positioned to acquire or absorb the Davis Bertans contract, which would be an incentive for the Wizards to potentially also trade Beal. And like a lot of people always make the argument mm. that there are yeah. so many other teams out there, for example, the Warriors, who can offer up a better trade package for Bradley Beal, but they couldn't at least not easily also absorb the brutal, brutal Albatross contract of Davis Bertans. And this is sort of the sort of thing that puts us in a unique position to to steer the trade in our in our direction. Um, and another user, Brad Stevens, uh, very aptly named on, on Celtics Reddit, said, trade all the picks for OG Ananobi, which I believe also could be done. The, the TPE, a bunch of uh, picks mm-hmm. to um, the Raptors, who seem reluctant to actually pull the trigger on like fully rebuilding. Um, but that's someone I know yeah. has been pretty coveted by a lot of Celtics fans, namely Danger Cart, uh, for a little while there. So it's options. It's all about options through the remainder of the offseason. It's good to have options. It's good not to be like just sort of backed into a corner where it's just like, you know, you have no choice but to but, but to rebuild. So, you know, I, I still am very optimistic about where we are currently. Obviously, that will change <laughs> depending on how the season <laughs> Game goes. One. But as of right now, like I can't really have any complaints. Hey, like we're not we're not the upper echelon, but we are, you know, not. It's, it wouldn't be impossible for us to, to infiltrate that within a season, I think, season or two. Totally. So moving on, we're now at the, the final segment of this podcast named the miscellaneous segment where we really have no structure. It's really just what you know wasn't significant enough to make it into any of the primary segments. Uh, I'll start, Jackson, if you don't mind. This is tweeted out by Aaron sure. Soroka, who wrote the Celtics Summer League player Yam Madar will turn down a two-way contract with the Celtics in favor of a multi-year deal in partisan Belgrade with Europe's most famous coach, Zelichko Abrojevic. I think I actually nailed that. Uh, so, Yam... Sounded good to me. <laughs> Yam, not coming back to, um, to to Boston, at least not this year, uh, or not next year, rather. Uh, does this Is this playing out how you expected, Jackson? Yeah. Well, the weather in Serbia is much better than Boston. Like, from, you know, <laughs> Sadly, it's true. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you had know, a, a good few minutes against Atlanta, was it? Yeah, in the, first, the very first game. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's he has a fun name to say. You know, I know it's I know I'm being the ignorant dude here by like mispronoun- mispronouncing it, but like yeah, matter. Like I would have just I would have screamed that every time he was on the court. You know, he yeah. could have been like the new <laughs> the new Taco Fall, but um, you know, maybe actually with some some use. Um, no disrespect, Taco, but um, yeah, no, it's a shame. It, it, it's a shame, but um, you know. Fair enough. It sounds like, you know, to play for the fact that they put in Europe's biggest coach, like that might mean, you know, again, it's totally ignorant here. That might mean something to actual European players. I have not heard of him, but if you maybe, you know, follow the Euro Basketball League, that's a big name and that's an appeal and a draw to you. So, yeah, fair call. If he wants to do that, then so be it. Yeah, and just money and playing time as well is all going to be increased yeah. playing overseas and... Like, surely the instruction is just like, okay, dude, like, we, we liked what we saw, small sample size, but, like, just go and, like, follow the Jason Tatum diet and eat, like, a shitload of tacos yeah. every day and just pump iron every day for, like, two years, come back, like, Aaron Neesmith jacked, Jalen Brown jacked, and then we can talk. I, w- I would imagine that's yeah. exactly how the conversation went down. Here's a, here's a nice apartment for you in Maine to play for the main red, no, no, the main, main Celtics. Celtics. Now, yeah. I was say, yeah, damn. <laughs> can't be a red claw. Maybe that's why he left. He's like, I, I can't be a red claw. Just, yeah. My childhood dream of being a red claw died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you got any missed points that you want to bring up here, Jackson? 
Yeah, didn't they announce the opening game of the of the opening games of the season, and we're playing the Knicks in Madison Square Garden? Yeah, Kemba and the Is that Knicks. Right? Yeah, and Fournier. Kemba and Fournier. Yeah, that to me feels like. See, as long as I've been supporting the Celtics, I think like the ver- like really supporting the Celtics. I think the first year the Knicks were probably the better team, like just slightly. They knocked us out in the playoffs, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going off. But ever since then, the Knicks have just been utterly like irrelevant, a meme team, a laughing stock. Um, and it's been it's been great. But like you know, I don't have that disdain for the Knicks at all. I'm sure if you're if sure if you you live in Boston, you know, it, it's a lot more of a thing. But you know, to an international fan like as myself, it really just hasn't been a thing for a long time. Well, it feels like that's changed now. It feels like now that we've got we've got Kemba. Although I've got nothing against Kemba or Fournier for that matter. Now that they're on the Knicks, like yeah, fuck those guys. And they're actually a competitive team. And you know, same same division, same conference, same everything. It's you know, it's got playoff series written all over it. You know, hopefully you know anyway so um i'm quite excited about the prospect of that and i think this could may potentially be like the resurrection of of a rivalry you know i know i know new york is really 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 hates trey young and they're probably going to be more like fired up for him but you know i, I think this could be i, I think the, the nick celtics games is, it could be really really fun yeah and i can see marcus smart sort of you know he's obviously not on the the level that trey young is on but i can see him uh Annoying the shit out of the Knicks players and their fans, particularly with the defense that he's going to play on on you know Kemba Walker and and Evan Fournier there. It, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, I don't have anything against Kemba Walker or Evan Fournier. Like they both seem like very solid dudes, but there's a bit of a, like an ex girlfriend vibe or something that they you know they were around. They were they were a starting backcourt last year. Now they play for another team who like kind of on paper did well they they did they they did better than us last season they finished at a higher seed and their playoff series went longer and was you know arguably more interesting to watch um so there is something there but it's also you know with sports you can kind of talk your way into there being a rivalry and i, I think with a storied franchise like the Celtics the the Knicks would be uh just as if not more interested in developing that rivalry than than us but uh Madison Square yeah. Garden that's a great place to watch uh, your favorite player throw down, and I am already fantasizing over like a game one, forty-five point nine assist, seven rebound Tatum performance. Like, I that's, yeah, totally. that's potentially on the horizon there. So that's something to look forward yeah. to. He's got all the greats have an awesome Madison, Madison Square Garden game. So I think this is the time for Tatum to to do that. Um, how do you think Kemba's going to go on to Tom Thibodeau? Well, did you see that clip? <laughs> you think that, where... you think that knee's going to last longer than like the first night and maybe the, the, that week? Perhaps? Well, did you see that clip where he was being introduced at MSG today and he was asked, are you going to sit in the second nights of a back-to-back this season? And he was like, you're going to have to ask yeah. Tibbs. And then the camera like pans to Tibbs, who's like in the crowd of the press conference. And he's like, no, <laughs> like you will not be sitting. <laughs> and of course, like, of course, that's the answer. Um, it will be yeah, interesting to see yeah. how that works out because it, Tibbs has definitely driven players into the ground before. And Kemba, well, I, I love Kemba Walker, but he, you could say he's already driven into the ground a little bit by, you know, his, his inability to stay on the floor in the last couple of years. So um, I, I hope that he succeeds, but not to the point where the Knicks usurp the Celtics. Pretty obvious yeah. answer. Out of, all the, out of all the ex-Celtics point guards who play in New York, you know, he's, Kemba's definitely my favorite. So I hope his knee <laughs> holds up quite well, to yeah. be honest. Whereas the other guy, nah, not so much. I don't care. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the only other missed point that I've got is that on the 24th of August, which is coming up, Jabari Parker's partial contract guarantee of $100,000 comes up and it's really the only 100k is nothing for an nba team but really it's like if they were gonna cut him 
they would do so on or before this date. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very uninteresting question, Jackson, but Jabari Parker, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you desperately want him to come back onto the team or are you happy to see him walk away? Well, like I said, I, I think I said in the previous episode, I like the idea of a reclamation, a co-reclamation project of Chris Dunn and Jabari Parker sort of in tandem. Um, so if, if we can if we can bring that, if that can happen, materialize, then sweet. And like, to be fair, I don't think Jabari Parker has been, been decent for us. He hasn't like set the world on fire, but I remember he had some, he, had, he was being played in like the, in the Brooklyn series after like not playing for a while. Yeah. So, you know, Brad clearly like saw something in him, even if it was just like, I'm just going to throw anything I can at this, at Kevin Durant and just see if something sticks. Um, it may have been an element of that to it, but at the same time, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing that with Carson Edwards or someone else like that. So there's clearly an element of, 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 of use, you know, to Jabari Parker. So if we keep him, then sweet, I'm all on board with the with the uh, the comeback story. But um, if we don't, then you know, you know, it's not going to really bother me that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, it is a position of need. So if they do cut him, that might be even more of an indication that they are looking to acquire someone, you know, like a Larry Nance, like a Kyle Anderson. But yeah, yeah. He, he had a he had some nice moments for us in the playoffs early this year. It almost felt like Brad Stevens had a, like a coin with Grant. Williams and Jabari Parker on opposing sides and he would just walk up to the substitution desk and just like flip it and then just sub in like whoever you know ended facing up there it was uh not not a nice deep four rotation there for for Brad Stevens and the Celtics to end last season so I'm really hoping that um they'll do something to address that and the decision they make on the 24th of August will certainly indicate as to the direction they're going in anything else you want to bring up on this uh this particular pod Jackson before we wrap it up when you brought up the coin analogy, you just I just immediately pictured Brad Stevens as like Harvey Dent, as Two Face. <laughs> Maybe Harvey Dent, the mild mannered guy, was was the um, was the coach. Maybe Two Face, the actual like psychotic, like cold blooded killer, is going to be you know the front office Brad. You know, if, if we saw that, then love yeah, it. Sweet, but um, yeah, that's just you just sent me down that path. Nothing further to add other than my. <laughs> no, you could be under something my, there. I mean, my, he's my, killing it my this uh, analogy. Yeah. He's killing it this off season. Like it's it's like he's. It's his first album, like his debut album. And for like any band that you like, the debut album is always like the best one. It's just like bangers from beginning to end. Yeah. And that, you know, <laughs> if this is Brad Stevens' debut, he's killing it. It's a it's a good release. Yeah. This is more like the this is more like the opening demos that you release. And it's like this guy's real hype. It's like he's, his album's coming up, and the album's the season. But yeah, he's no, killing he's, it on he's, SoundCloud. He's, he's killing it. Yeah, he's, he's he's big in the underground. He's got he's got uh, he's got labels swooping for him. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, look, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a number of spicy off-season pods in the works, so keep an eye on this feed. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, it's always a big help to us if you like, subscribe, comment, share, etc. Jackson, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Cheers, Joe. I mean, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time. Go Celtics. Sorry. Peace. <laughs>